Hey everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to the Apathetic Flow podcast. This is Flow 771 and uh, today I'm sharing part two of the podcast I did with uh, the Body and Beyond Girls, ladies, uh, both Alice Jane and the lovely Gina Louise. Um, so I hope you enjoyed part one. I hope you get a lot more out of part two. Uh, as always, um, feel free to reach out with any questions on any of the socials or on my emails, which you can find through all the show notes. Uh, on top of that, uh, make sure to follow the Body and Beyond Girls. I'll put that in the show notes as well, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to the Body and Beyond podcast with Gina and myself, Alice. Today, we have our special guest, Dave Nixon, back for part two of attention versus intention and we're also going to be talking a little about motivation as well dave how are you i'm well alice thank you welcome dave thanks gene how are you guys doing good very well swell yeah very good so dave let's get everything started um what would you say is the main difference between attention and intention and living intentionally versus attentionally? So I think this was the goal of our last podcast from memory. Mm. And then it was like just a delightful catch up on all sorts of things. And like I mentioned before as well to you, Alice, like it, when we look at, let's just say, let's call it a psychological realm as in mindset or subjective or thought space or whatever terminology we use we're just going to if i use any variation of those terms it's just meaning to the way that we think uh the way that we have our create our inner experience and so the nothing like exists by itself so if we we talk about intention uh what is our intent that doesn't exist by itself without it impacting everything else within that space, right? Our personality, our, um, our goals, our values. So it's hard to talk about one thing without letting it l- kind of bleed over into everything else in the exact same way that, you know, your bicep doesn't exist by itself necessarily. Otherwise, like it functions still. People go, what about a bicep curl? It's like, well, what are you holding on to? You're not holding on to something with your bicep, mm-hmm. you know? So it still doesn't exist by itself. It still, you know, plays a role with everything else. I think the other thing to pay place emphasis on here when looking at intention versus attention is what context are we using it? That's one. And then two, um, it actually comes down to what is your intention? So it, neither is bad. I don't sort of exist in this space of um, this is good, this is bad, this is positive, this is negative. From a coaching space, um, positive and negative are both static snapshots of um, a current moment. And the example of this, I mean, there's so many variations of how we can explain this, but an example of this is that you possibly have had something really bad happen in your life that have led to some really, really good things. So even though it was this negative situation, oh my God, this is so bad. Without that, these other good things, inverted commas, couldn't have happened. All you have to do is just Google people winning the lottery right? And how good is it? We won the lottery. It's like, well, how many disaster stories have happened after that? And then, and then at the end, they learn who their real friends are. Well, it's a happy ending. Good job. So the key thing there is looking at intention or attention. Like it's neither bad nor good, wrong nor right, positive nor negative. It really comes down to what is it that you want? Why is that important to you? Like that's kind of it. And so <clears throat> I remember being on a coaching call with uh, my coach, um, who I 
basically did all my, my study through through the coaching room, Jay. I've got a couple of podcasts with him. And um, I can't exactly remember the subject that I, the coaching topic I brought up, but he spoke to me about, and it might've been to do with me not having a grasp of my priorities. And so I was kind of doing lots of things, but never really doing any one thing. And he spoke about intention versus attention. And I, I had more conversation with him where this was laid in different ways. Um, but really what it came down to was, you know, am I doing something either for attention or due to it catching my attention um, rather than, than taking a moment to think for me, me personally, is this truly what's important for me? Is this, is this allowing me to move towards what I want for me and what I want for me, this is what's so important when I use it. I don't talk about you buying a house. I don't talk about uh, you having a successful job. I mean, who you are, because we all know we can have a inverted commas, successful job, a big house, be married, have kids and be depressed. And we all know that we can be, you know, for me personally, I was, how um, I house sat for three years and there was times in there where that were really, really dark and hard. And there's other times that were completely just like free more towards the end when I had a sort of a lot of my own lessons. And so it's, it's sort of looking at this idea that what you want for you is you as the human, like you, as you grow, as you unfold, as you develop, as you move through stages of life, who do you want to be? Because then it doesn't actually matter what really happens around you, because if you grow, you can, you can change and deal and adapt around what's, what, what's happening around you. And so that's what I truly mean when I say, what do you want? Um, and funnily enough, you know, it's, it kind of fits in with this cliche quote, but it's, it's really quite beautiful. Um, when everything falls into place, then I'll be at peace. It's actually when I'm at peace, everything falls into place. And that's the kind of space when we, we live in intentionally, it's more to do with that. It's like, well, what's within my control, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, my words, my, um, so words being my speech and then also my um, behaviors. You know, if they're the really thoughts and let's say feelings and emotions are the same thing, there's four things within your control. And so with the way that I'm living in those four things, everything else is out of my control. Some things are in my influence, but everything else is actually out of my control. And so if I look at those four areas of my life, is, am I just doing that habitually? Am I doing that either for attention or um, because I got approval when I was younger um, or because it's the, it's the thing that's floating past, it's a shiny thing that's floating past my attention right now? Um, or am, am I living intentionally in the moment based on what's truly important to me as a human being? Short answer. So just to clarify, you did mention at the start that neither was good or bad or, or positive or negative, right? So, I, I mean, I'm just, I, want, I wonder how could attention be brought about in a positive way? Just as an example. Well, funnily enough, living at attention in the examples that I gave is actually still an intention. Mm -hmm. It's just whether or not it's serving you now or, now or, or it isn't, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people kind of still struggle with this, especially adults, because we've lived so long, 30, 40, 50 years, a particular worldview, and then the idea that 
some of our personality traits uh, were developed because we were still trying to get approval from a very young age from a, a you know a a father figure or a mother figure, whatever it may be, is just one example, that we're still actually running the same pattern as a 35-year-old. Like that can be groundbreaking for the person in many ways, as in like they go, are you saying I've, I've never actually chosen the way that I've mm. behaved? I've just been behaving almost habitually. People say naturally, a lot of it's nurture. There might be some nature, of course, um, genetically and, and so what and so forth, but a lot of it's nurture. So they're still uh, acting with the intent of getting an approval, so to speak. But that, that, that equation worked as a kid. But grabbing that same habit, that same personality structure as an adult and running it, right, it might work in their career because it's like, hey, like this is, you know, I do really well in my career because of my personality. But at home, it doesn't work so well. So I'm no longer, I'm, I'm kind of that the intent that I had as a child to be able to get X allows me to be successful in my career. But then I'm just running that exact, I'm, it's just a hammer. Everything's a nail, right? I'm just grabbing that exact same pattern of thinking and personality trait and applying it to every area of my life. And funnily enough, it's not working. So um, it, the kind of thing is that we actually have to see the positive intention behind our behaviors mm-hmm. um, and then learn that that's a really normal process for us mm-hmm. as a human. So it's called integration rather than rejecting it. People go, I want to change this. It's like, it's like saying you want to wipe a skill that allows you to feel love as a child. Like it's learning that that was actually really useful. Imagine you got, here's an example for you. You've got all your kids in the class, right? You're a teacher. And there's one kid that plays up. If you keep ignoring that kid, if you just wanted to change that kid, but you can't, the kid can't go to another class. The kid's going to keep playing up. But if you go and you intimately, not intimately in that way, but learn about that kid, learn about his name, what his, you know, or hers favorite things are, how they see the world, they start to slowly integrate into the class, but they're different, but they are no longer an outsider. They're kind of understood rather than just shunned. Mm -hmm. And we need to do that with our own traits. And so that's where, you know, if we're living at attention or habitual, so to speak, Mm-hmm. It's actually learning how to integrate those things that once served us that may no longer be serving us. And then we shift to be able to live intentionally today. What that may mean for us as me as a 33 year old, it's going to be different as a 45 year old. And so it's where we realize that all components of our story were at some point useful. And until we do that, um, we won't be able to live in this current moment with our own intent as the adult that we are today Mm -hmm. does that help answer the question it does yes so how do you feel that people could um implement learning to understand their intention i guess i'm not sure if i'm wording that properly um say someone wants to live with more intention and they want to show up with more intention like how do they do that how do you go about doing that is it just more reflection based work that you would say like uh could something like journaling or something help with that or i don't know yeah i think you're on the right path so a lot of it's knowing yourself yeah and knowing why you do what you do and so sometimes that can be a really difficult exercise and this is where 
therapy is fantastic you know as long as you get along with the therapist in the same way like getting a hairdresser that doesn't cut your hair well you don't keep going back you got to find but that doesn't mean all hairdressers are bad hairdressers right that's doesn't mean that so you got to find either a therapist or a psychologist but they usually help deal with the past if someone's more stuck in the past right so that's one way coaching and so coaching is usually to deal with someone who has a uh, what's called a healthy um, sense of ego strength uh, it means that they can see certain parts of their personality and be like oh my god but it doesn't mean like they don't identify as that and that they're bad and they're a bad person and so forth. They're able to see it almost objectively and learn to move through that. And that's more to do really with the future. But there are ways that you can do it with other people. Um, there are ways that I've done it. I've done pretty much all of those. Um, and that was a way for me to speed up the process. The way that we can do it for ourselves is something like journaling. And journaling can be verbal as well in fact there's actually less filter if we do it verbally into like a microphone into our own phone um, rather than with our hand um, but journaling can be done with your hand people often don't know how to journal right which is a great way to start i don't know how to journal right is a great way to start that because from there you can literally just start writing um, and find it difficult there isn't a right way to journal is what i'm getting at but the best way that we can start to see um our our thoughts and see the, the intent behind them. So, so the question that we may ask is if we see a thought is like, what's that on behalf of? And what I mean by on behalf of is it's like, well, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm helping that person. It's like, okay, so what's, you know, what's that on behalf of? It's like, well, that's always the right thing to do. It's like, it's always the right thing to do to help someone else. It's like, yeah. It's like, so when do you get to help you? Oh, well, you know, that's it's not as important. Right. So is that a pattern? Because if you're constantly in what's called a second person perspective or other referent, then the chances is you're going to really struggle to understand your own intent, you know, and, and it's called a blind spot. So journaling any sort of, um, uh, Speaking and talking through our own thoughts is very beneficial with a, with a, a trained consultant, let's call it that. Um, but uh, giving ourselves space for quiet. And usually the ones, people that struggle with the most struggle with doing that. They struggle with sitting down and doing a self-yoga or um, a meditation or something similar. Uh, and if there's friction there, if you struggle with it, hey, guess what? probably where your growth is so that gives us a chance to just sort of look at our thoughts a bit more not as us because we're not our thoughts it gives us a chance to see our thoughts and see where did i first learn that um who, who whose voice is that and ask these like it's it's the same thing as that kid in the classroom we get to actually ask questions of it to learn about the thought because the thought is not us Oh, my brain just has these thoughts. Sorry for the mechanic noise in the background. My brain just has these thoughts. It's like, so these thought, in that case, there's an under-responsibility in the person saying it as if the brain just thinks all these things onto them. It's like, hang on a sec, these are thoughts that, that arise for me. Where did I first learn that? Where did I first hear that? Is, that? is that true all the time? And so we start to question it from a place of curiosity. And this is a really powerful way for us to actually see thoughts and, and patterns that may no longer serve us as an adult and to kind of like, rather than take them as truths or beliefs, we get to pull them apart a little bit and realize, that, okay, that was that thought maybe at one point was useful, but maybe it's not true all the time. Mm. 
And that's the way that we can start to actually break down things that have us and that run us habitually, intentionally, and start to go, and this is where a, a lot of people may struggle, well, what do I want out of the current situation? And why is that important for me? So leaning into what's called first-person perspective. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Dave, but, um, you know, in today's society with the massive rise of social media and essentially everyone's attention being potentially taken left, right and centre, you know, I think a lot of young humans, males and females, um, are growing up um, there's a lot there's a lot more prevalence of depression and anxiety and comparison so a lot of young people especially in their teen years and their early 20s are very comparing themselves to other people through social media platforms like instagram or tiktok or whatever else is next these days snapchat so my question is what's your take um, or any advice you have for young people um, when it comes to them finding that their attention being diverted and then dwelling on themselves or their situation or yeah what's your what advice would you have for younger people struggling with that younger people struggling with um their attention their attention like essentially yeah they're them giving their attention to social media platforms and then um that impacting their mental Mm. health so a big part of it is that a, a, a lot of individuals may struggle with a sense of self. Mm. And so they sit in the space of um, like, I'm not who I think I am. Um, there's two ways. I'm not who I think I am. I am who you think I am. Mm-hmm. So if you think this of me, then that means that's me. If you call me an asshole or you call me an idiot or whatever, mm. or ugly, then I must be that. And so there's actually a, a, a lack of self, a lack of um well, it's actually called a conditional self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So my self-value, esteem is another word for value. My self-value is based upon what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that's a really dangerous space to be in, especially in when, you know, I have access to what people may think of me in the palm of my hand. Um, and it's really challenging. And so to be able to learn to develop a healthy sense of self, uh, self rather, um, can is a pretty lengthy process because a lot of our, uh, I think I actually shared something on my own socials yesterday. Let me just see. This will be able to kind of speak to exactly my point. Um, <clears throat> I shared it. If you didn't feel unconditionally loved as a child, you might find it extremely difficult to believe in your lovability or find it hard to believe that people love you without you needing to do anything to earn their love. And you can change the word love to approval mm-hmm. or love to value. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the challenges. And um, we hear, I hear a lot of, things around healing and trauma and sometimes we think of trauma being like sexual trauma which is horrendous and it's really obvious yet from the space that we teach it's called childhood patterns so we 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 do something we get approval we're like i'll keep doing that because i get attention Mm -hmm. and i get approval which means i'm good because as a kid you don't know if you're being good on like there's there's no concept of that so the outside world is all we know and so that then develops later on and to our peers am i accepted and so forth and so there's there's a really difficult challenge for a lot of teens and then you know even adults like it's no it doesn't discriminate Mm. on um building a healthy sense of of esteem and so 
here's the thing. And like, I, I definitely struggled with this when I was younger, both as an adult and as a teenager. Um, but if you were taught to have conditional self-esteem, conditional love, like that's not your fault. It's not, you didn't know any better, but as an adult, now it's your responsibility to choose different. Mm. And that's tough. That's hard. But it's harder not to. It's harder to go through life and, and maintain that conditional esteem that if I do X, then I'm good. Um, I have to do X to receive love from you. In fact, I'm not, you know, I'll, I won't even accept it if you just give it to me freely. There must be something wrong with you if you give it to me freely. I have to do something. I have to work. Right? And so this unconditional esteem is something that we all have um, a, a right and a responsibility to develop within ourselves. And we have then, what we do when we do that is that whole, like, when we light our own candle, we, we allow everyone else to light their sort of thing, right? And so that's the responsibility we have. So social media isn't bad. Social media just exposes who we already are at that stage in our life. In the same way, money isn't bad. Money just exposes who we are at that stage in our life. So um, the, the thing, though, is that it's freely accessible and it's very challenging and it's hard not to compare. Um, and so what I would suggest, people then just don't look at it. It's like, well, the, the so social media is not the issue. Mm. The issue to me sounds like you're, you're, comparison. you're comparing yourself to something else because if you get rid of social media, you'll see it in a magazine, you'll see it out at, when you're at dinner, you'll see it somewhere else um, you know, rather than you know, like what's more beautiful, like a tiger or a butterfly? Like it's like, you know, even a mole. They're completely different. The, yeah. It's mm. like it's it, why, why are we doing this? So the thing there and um, it's, it's un unconditional esteem is the point that we're looking at. And so mm -hmm. there's all these challenges and we want to acknowledge those challenges. But if we try and take away this, the phone, the social media, we want to limit the time to some degree because that's probably going to be a healthy thing to do anyway. Yet the core issue lies in that individual. If we can address that individual, then you can look at social media and you don't, even if you're there and a sense of comparison comes up, it kind of just washes over you rather than you identifying that, mm. you know, it's like a point of reference rather than a um, comparison of uh, worth or success or love. So the work's done there. The thing that I'm pointing out time and time again is that you, you're the work, you the individuals mm. to understand that's where the comment, you know, trust the process. People often think that here's the plan. Here's your program. You've got to trust the process. You're the process. You unfolding is a process. So you have to trust you, you, the individual. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't matter what the program or plan is because if it's not right for you, you trust yourself to go, this isn't right for me. Mm -hmm. You're the process. Mm -hmm. Thank and you. Thank you for that. How would you say that intention sort of uh, contributes to, say, um, long-term goals and progress when it comes to motivation, for example. So showing up, feeling motivated, if you want to use that word, um, how do you feel like intention kind of plays a role or, um, yeah, shows up in that space? It's a good question. I think the first thing to note 
is, I'm just taking notes <laughs> to note. <clears throat> Every, chances are everything that you've done successfully in your life long-term, you weren't motivated to do. So if you're attempting to, to, um, to address your health and fitness goals based on motivation, my experience tells me it's probably going to be short-term. So now in saying that, sometimes the motivation can be really beneficial because it can get you started. Yet, you know, there's, I think there's quotes that have been shared through Instagram and all sorts of this of like motivation gets you started, discipline keeps you going or something. I don't think I'm necessarily disciplined to shower and brush my teeth. I, I wouldn't, I don't think I was, I definitely wasn't motivated as a kid to do it. It was just this thing that I learned. That's what, that's what I do. It's a part of what I do. Mm. And so when we sort of start to realize, and people might say that this is like, oh, it becomes a part of your identity, sort of, because when an athlete identifies as an athlete and they get injured, they don't know who they are anymore. Their career is over, they fall into a depression. So rather than seeing themselves as a person who is an athlete, who does um, football or plays football or whatever, and same as a coach, is I'm not a coach, I'm not a coach, I'm Dave who coaches, right? So it's, it's sort of separating that identity thing. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but if you're, if you're relying on motivation in order for mm. you to achieve your goals, then my experience tells me that will be extremely short-term. When we start to realize that this is something that I do, this is important for me um, for these reasons, and we take a mature response to it, and it's really hard to take a mature, healthy response to it when we're, we find complaining about it or when we're like, you know, talking about, well, my pre-baby body, it's like, well, you don't get a pre-baby body again. If you've had a baby, you don't, no, this is coming from, I understand a 33-year-old male, but I will never have a child. But let's talk about now, where you are today as the 35-year-old you or 40-year-old you, where we are today, what, where do you want to go? And, and what's the next step? And when we can take this really healthy, mature, um, both looking at the brutal facts of the current situation, brutal is it's coming from a term called the Par um, Stockdale Paradox. Um, he's a prisoner of war and he was asked who died first. And they said, uh, it's easy, the optimist, Jim Stockdale, his name is, he said the optimist died first because we'll be out, at, be out at Christmas, we'll be out at New Year's, we'll be out at Easter, we'll be out at, I don't know, end of financial year. I don't know if they had that, but we'll be out of like at Thanksgiving. We'll be out and, and it just eroded their, their, their hope away, so to speak. But the Stockdale paradox was to look at the brutal facts. It's like, we don't know when we're going to be out. We don't know when we're going to achieve X. We don't know when we're going to do Y, but it's worth working towards it. Mm. Um, and it's worth it, not because the goal's worth it, but because I'm worth it. I deserve that. Me, we don't get what we want. We get what we think we deserve. And that's a really important key takeaway. So you got to look at your goals and see what you've written down and what you, what you want. And you look at that, you got to ask yourself, do you think, do you deserve that? Do you think that you deserve that? And if you struggle to say, yes, you're like, what do you need to change in order to say, yes, I deserve that. It doesn't mean you can't start working towards that, but it means that if you don't feel you deserve it, you won't get it. Mm -hmm. So, so this is where it looks at your intent, right? So um, in, intent in that is crucial in, in, in many facets of the term. So, yeah, thank you. My pleasure. <clears throat> so,
so for you girls talking through this what and i i know that the way that i present and talk about the way that people may think and what thoughts they may have what's come up for you girls as we've been talking through this that's what i'm curious to know what's landed for you just then I was just thinking about when clients or friends or here at the gym say I'm not motivated at the moment and just reflecting back on what you said about asking them, do you deserve, like what is it that you're working towards and do you deserve that? And just, I guess, bringing curiosity to that answer for that person. And then I'm just reflecting on a certain person wondering if they do think that they deserve that. So I think that's a pretty cool question for us to all ask ourselves as well when we're not feeling motivated. Obviously, there's days where you genuinely need to rest and therefore you're not executing on, you know, so they have the ability to check in on when it's time to rest or when you're not motivated and using that as an excuse. Mm. That's what I was reflecting on. Great. Yeah, I think that's... um quite apparent as well with myself and chatting to clients and trying to explain, you know, where to go when someone does feel unmotivated or why they might feel unmotivated more so, I guess, for a period of time. So Mm. it definitely does um, make a lot of sense in that sense. But personally, I think, I guess I'm just thinking more about where, I can create more intention in my everyday life, I guess, because probably something that I don't think about that much. And like you said, sometimes things just become habits or they become things that you do um, more of like an attention thing. But I would say that, yeah, I'm interested to sort of think through where I can create more intention in the things or think about the things I am doing and why I'm doing them. I guess, personally. Great, yeah. So I think if I can add to that, it's firstly bringing awareness to what your current intent is. So you you already have an intent. It's just whether or not you're consciously choosing to do it, right? And I say you as in everyone, me, everyone. And so it's bringing awareness to that. And so if we go, we find ourselves doing something and I'm like, why am I doing this? And you have to ask that question wanting to know the answer and from a place of curiosity because there are going to be times where the answer comes up and you're not going to like the answer. And if you don't like it and you start to judge it, then we start to go on this spiral of it. it, We have to be able to see the truth and see it as whatever it is. And then from there, we get a choice. So we, we have the awareness of it and we go, right, is this still what I want? Is, is this still working for me? And if the answer is no, it's not, what could, what would work for me? What's important to me? And asking that now as a whatever age you are rather than, you know, and this there's no finish line to this. You're not like, oh, I've finished all my intentions. I've done every intention. <laughs> from the reason why I asked the petrol petrol station person how their day's been to why I choose a certain bread roll over another or, you know, um, I uh, I try and make eye contact with a certain person because I want their approval. Why the fuck do I want their approval? What's that about? It's a really interesting stuff. So it's the kind of thing there of just first becoming aware of 
what my current intention is. And they're just questioning it from a place of curiosity, seeing what comes up, asking if it's still useful. And if it's not, what could I replace that with? Mm. That, that suits me better today. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Gina, or extend on that topic anymore? Um, Dave, have you had any examples in your life where you've reflected on intention, attention recently or anything that, that's relevant to the current? Yeah, stage? heaps yeah. and heaps. I've, mm. you know, not to just like glaze over it and say heaps, but mm. the, I even worked with my coach and I said, what do you think my biggest bottleneck is? And I actually didn't think he heard me and was on zoom. And cause it looked like he just was buffering. I'm like looking at the camera <laughs> doing this. And he goes, you need to be seen. And I'm like, what? Which is actually probably what my question was on behalf of. Mm. Right. It was probably on like, you know, you're, you, you own the company that I'm learning so much from. I see you as a, as a, you know, an extremely intelligent um, adult male. Um, and I found there to be a pattern between that and adult males. And even though I have a fantastic relationship with my father, he was, I stopped living with him when I was eight. Mm. And so there probably was a need to be seen by these adult men, by coaches. And I look back on my life and I found all these examples of my need to be seen and approved of by these, these men, even to the point that, my clients that were older than me, I remember standing in a circle with a group of these guys and I didn't feel like I was an adult in the conversation. Mm. Nothing they did. That was how I felt. And I was like, oh my God, how long have I been doing this for? Not that that really matters, but it's just like, well, the whole time. Mm. And so I was like, well, how do I show up now as me? Like, what does, what does that feel like? And it felt really weird. It felt really strange to, you know, not just agree with certain people or to not feel kind of, anxious and try and make a joke that's forced or none of that sort of stuff is just to learn to relax and just to be me, whatever that was at that stage in my life. And so it was pretty painful in many facets of the term because I had to see all these things of like, why am I trying to get this person to see me? Why am I trying to, why am I stopping myself from contributing to a greater community in case I get shunned. And when I think about the people that might shun me, there's a couple of people that come to mind, but it's them in particular. What, what's that about? Mm. And so, you know, my intention then is not to be seen as X, Y, or Z rather than what's true. For, I, I can pass away at any given time. All of us can. So what's true for me? How do I want to live? How do I live with intention and let mm. people do fucking people things? Mm. Imagine if both of us, the, the, whoever that person was that I was thinking of that might, critique me or something heaven forbid imagine if they weren't posting either in case i potentially critique them like how ridiculous is this it's the kind of thing where we get a chance to go you know this is what i want to share with the world um and this is me where i'm at um for now and so rather than this is who i am um accepted or whatever um you're with me or without you know whatever the case might be, it's like that can be a little bit more static, but maybe you're the process. So there was definitely times where I reflected on where I was 
attempting to be seen by particular types of individuals and there was common things. Um, and so I had to, you know, become aware of it in the moment. And um, I would then do like, this is everything from, from my experience. I'd then even do like uh, a body check. I would do a scan and I'd find that my breathing was shallow. I'd find that my diaphragm was really tight that, and then, you know, all of these things led to my mind being faster paced, possibly more anxious, all these sorts of experiences for me. And so when I just learned then, I learned to bring myself back into my, into my body because my body's 33. That's how long it's been here, as long as I know anyway. And so that means it can always be here and I can show up in that, in that that's where I am today. And so when I did that, my mind slowed down straight away mm. and I was able to communicate um, and and stand where I was rather than attempting to be seen in a particular light, which means even if they did approve me, it was never me anyway. Mm, true. Uh, I do have a question as well, just briefly about uh, you did really briefly touch on blind spots. Did you want to explain what that is um, and how you can identify a blind spot if it's a blind spot? <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll do a part three. Um, so <laughs> should have asked it earlier in the podcast, but <laughs> say that again. I should have asked it a bit earlier on in the podcast. Yeah, but... blind spots are interesting. So um, for coaching, so when I say coaching, there's um, let's call it mental or mindset coaching. You know, coaching to what's called thinking patterns and personality structures and belief structures. Uh, and then there's coaching on obviously on a gym floor, which looks at movement patterns and physical form and programs and so forth. And of course, those two things also overlap. Um, so the way that I use the term blind spots there is um, blind spots and biases. So if we have a blind spot, then we have a bias, right? And if we have a bias, then we have blind spots. And so um, the, the key thing there is, this is why we usually say that your strengths don't lay in your, well, your potential doesn't lay in your strength. It, it lays in your blind spots. Mm -hmm. And so your strengths become your bottlenecks, right? And so a blind spot can be perceived to be a perspective that we struggle to see. One of the main models that we use within coaching is, um, was developed by or put forward by a guy called Ken Wilbur, and it's called the quadrants. And so within those four quadrants, um, there's usually, you can imagine one is um, called subjective. So that's your thoughts. It's the individual, their, their thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories. So my subjective experience of this current matter, this current situation, and then you ladies all have your version, which is similar, but different, right? So which one's real, which one's true? Well, they're both, they're all true and incomplete. So there's that first quadrant. And that's what I was talking to in relation to journaling, to understand first quadrant more you, to journal because we start to see our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We have to focus on ourselves, ourselves, not our body, different things. <laughs> quadrant two is a we space. So it's known as intersubjective. So this is where culture, family, community, all that exists, right? So second person perspective, it's called a we space. Um, and then the third person is objective. And so this is actually the objective body. So physical body, your behaviors, your traits. So you as the individual, um, and this is known as an it space. Okay. 
And then the fourth quadrant is called its or interobjective. So this is where plans, processes, the natural environment, does everything have a functional fit to it? All of that exists in that space, right? So these are four quadrants that we coach to. It's common that in those four quadrants, somebody has a driver. So one that they're really, really familiar with. They, they, imagine all those one, two, three, and four are well views. So people that are really good at policies are really good at fourth person perspective because they can see how things play out over time, yet they may struggle with the culture of a place, mm. right? And so that's where someone's going to have a bias, whether that's first person, so um, a bias or a driver, that's probably a better word, um, first person or the we space, they value second person, like we is more important than I, but they're both as important as each other. They're both like you can't have we without I and vice versa. So it's a kind of thing where somebody might then obviously have a driver in quadrant three or quadrant four, but you then have access to one. So you'll usually find um, this is average levels of healthiness, so to speak, stress and security. Someone has a driver access to another one. So that person, that second person that I'm second person perspective that I gave the example of, they might also have access to, you know, really good at policies and procedures yet they struggle with their own thoughts and understanding their own thoughts and speaking through their own meanings. And they may also struggle with their own, physical body, behaviors, traits, understanding that, so to speak. So first two being a driver, the other ones being a, um, they have access to, and then they have one called longing for, and this is the one that people are usually most confused on. Um, excuse me. So longing just means that they're, they're, it's like they're always attempting to look after themselves or they're always um, trying to, you know, change their physical appearance or they're always writing out their plans but never following through with them so it's this thing that they kind of want to do but they just don't really they're not super um familiar with that kind of quadrant and then the fourth one is usually a blind spot and so what that means this is why it's very challenging to understand it because the question is how do you see your blind spots if you don't know they're there it's like well you read you find models that make sense you can get coaching, you go to seminars, you listen to podcasts that talk about these types of things. But the fastest way to do it is actually through coaching. And I remember going to my courses when I was first learning um, uh, all this, these models and, and, um, and coaching as a whole. And they're like, coaching's the fastest way. I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. Coaching's the fastest way. Got it. Let's get through this. And then I ended up doing, I think, somewhere between 18 to 24 coaching sessions. And I'm like, coaching's the fastest way. Because the coach basically um, holds up a mirror. So the things that come out for you, they're listening to what you're saying and also what you're not saying. So I have a client to give you an example to the blind spot and they're talking about why the community is so important and how they've put together the schedule for the year. So all the community events and, you know, they, they've done all the numbers already and they know exactly where they need to be and what they need to do. Um, but the person's fucking run down. They're stressed. They've got signs of stress, but they don't actually see it. So I'm like, I've all right, great. So what I hear is, you know, you, you've put a lot of emphasis on the community. You've built out your processes and planning, um, and you've got your physical training there, and uh, even your recovery. That's great. Uh, what I haven't heard is, why are you doing it? What's your intention? What are you getting out of it? I haven't heard anything about you, not your physical body. Right, Because even when they shared, I've got my training because I need to be doing it if I'm going to ask them to do it. So we start to hear what things are on behalf of 
And so that's a way that we can start to see a blind spot, but it's very challenging to see our blind spots without being around people that can help see it. Yeah. So sorry for the answer, not answer, but it's... It was a great answer. <laughs> so there's, there's models that we coach you and not to plug it, but I'm going to plug it. The retreat, we'll go further into that and you'll see, because um, we're away for the whole weekend and it becomes part of the language and how we see things. Mm. But we go through the quadrants, all the seminars that I run, we run through that sort of stuff. Mm. So people have access to those models. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. That was really helpful. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure. Before we wrap up the podcast for today, um, we often do ask our listeners a question or something to reflect on. So what would be, given today's subject, what would be a question or a reflection you could leave for our listeners for themselves? Um, not, not, not to run options, but I've got two. One, okay. go back and listen to it and see what questions that I asked throughout the podcast actually came up for you and spoke to you the most. That's one, right? And so from there, you'll be able to go, you know, that could be, what's this on behalf of? Or do I really want to do this? Or it could be, you know, which is, you know, here's a powerful one for you. Um, if I achieve X, what will that give me that I don't think I already have? And so they're questions like that that are worth asking time and time again. And they're going to be going to allow you to have things that, that really come up for you. So mm. um, I guess I kind of, I kind of put one and two together. My, my responses there anyway, because it's sure. a couple of questions there for you, but it's a matter of you going out of what I heard and what I listened to, what was the most interesting and appealing for me? Mm. Yeah. And also when, when I find my attention being taken by something, you know, bringing it back to what is my intention or what is this on behalf of? Why am I moving away from what I want most from my more intentional activities and letting my attention be taken by this X, whatever that is? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What's the positive intention here? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a positive intention behind every behavior, exactly. even if it no longer serves you now as an adult, at some point there was. Yeah. And commonly you might hear, the, well, obviously there's no, there's no positive intention. It's like, okay, if, if there could be, if once upon a time there was, mm-hmm. what could it be? Yeah. Great. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me on, girls, mm-hmm. and letting me talk for 55 minutes at the 60, I'm pretty sure. Pleasure. And guys, if you do listen back to this episode, please feel free to tag us, uh, Body and Beyond Podcast. And Dave, what's your handle on Instagram? Dave Nixon, N-I-X-O-N, Flow, F-L-O-W. And don't be afraid to tag Dave as well. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a beautiful day. See you later, guys. Thanks, girls. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, team. If you enjoyed this episode, then please like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Of course, make sure you follow the girls, Body and Beyond, um, and Alice Jane and Gina Louise Coaching on Instagrams. Uh, You can grab a copy of my book, Mining Yourself, anywhere online or in stores. Uh, And if you're interested in learning more about programs that I run, then you can find out more information uh, at alphathetaflow.com. But that's it from me. Big love, peace and pizza. I'll see you all soon.